0: Faith family, if you have a Bible or on your app, go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll be picking up in verse 8 in just a moment. If you're visiting with us, we are so glad that you're here. We're in a, a series, we've actually been in this series a really long time uh, in the book of Hebrews, but we started it back at the beginning of the year, uh, talking about this issue of faith. What, what is faith? That's a word that we actually throw around a lot. So what is it? Why is it so important? Uh, Why is it necessary uh, as a Christian? And so we've been kind of starting this year off talking about uh, what it means uh, to live by faith. And so uh, of all the sections of Scripture, this may be uh, one of the most well-known and most important passages to understand uh, what faith is all about. And so Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we've been in this for a a couple of weeks now, and so we're now at verse 8. If you're able to stand, I'll ask you to please do so. For the honor of reading God's word. And let's look here at Hebrews 11, uh, verse 8. It says By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. By faith Sarah herself received power to, receive, to, to conceive even when she was past the age. She considered him faithful who had promised. And therefore from one man uh, and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. Now jump down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was uh, tested, offered up Isaac, uh, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is God's word. Pray for me, will you? And pray with me. Let's ask God in these moments to uh, speak to us through His Word. Let's pray. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for this time together today. Uh, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed and encouraged with the uh, amount of uh, life that's happening. Uh, people coming up to me talking about where they're at in their journey of faith and what's going on and how you're speaking to them and just how these moments together as we look to your Word are meaningful. Thank you for that. That's a gift of your grace. So would you once again come and speak through your word to those of us, us gathered in this place right now. Encourage us, teach us what faith is all about. We ask this in Jesus' name and God's people said. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be Human. That's the question that scientist Carl Sagan and his team uh, tried to answer back in the late 1970s. Uh, Some of you may remember or read about the the Voyager mission that took place in August and September of 1977. Uh, It was a mission that was not just about scientific discovery... There was also a hope with that mission that there would be able to be communication with potential other life forms, so what happened is Sagan and his team put together uh, what was called like a golden record or a kind of a time capsule, if you will, to communicate what life was like on planet Earth to other life forms uh, if it was encountered so what what Sagan and his team had to do was comb through. All of human history and try to narrow it down to just a few things that would answer the question what does it mean to be human? They collected 115 photographs, or at least they settled on that amount. They had images like a woman at a supermarket. Page six of Isaac Newton's system of the world, a father with a daughter, a gymnast on a balance beam, a a series of photos of just nature. They also included in this 90 minutes of recorded sounds, music from Bach and Chuck Berry. Unfortunately, no Johnny Cash, sadly. Uh, The cry of a newborn, Uh, 60 human languages, the sound of whales along with a greeting from the President of the United States. Now get that imagery in your mind. Here you had this individual with his team combing through all of human history, trying to put things together in order to communicate really one simple thought. This is what it means to be human. Now that kind of thing's not uncommon. Like we we do a similar kind of thing in a variety of areas of life. So for instance, uh, you may have specific values in your family that define what your family is about. In other words, this is what it means to be a Larson or whatever your family may be. You have specific values that define the culture where you work. That this is what it means to work at Dunder Mifflin or wherever. My guess is if you're a parent, you've got specific values that you pass along to your children as to say, this is what it means to be an adult. Or think about churches. You have specific doctrines that define who you are. That is, this is what it means to belong at Berean. We do that unapologetically. This is what we believe. This is what it means to be a part of us. We do that all the time. Everybody with me? You kind of got that idea in your mind? Let me ask you this then. How would you answer the question? If you were assigned the responsibility of communicating to the outside world, the answer to this question, what would you say? The question is, what does it mean to be a Christian? Not what does it mean to be a human, not what does it mean to belong to this family, but what does it mean to be a Christian? Because I would submit to you, faith family, that's exactly what the author of Hebrews has been trying to teach us. He's been trying to show us not what it means to be a human, but what it means to be a Christian. Namely, listen... The fundamental foundation of what it means to be a Christian is to live by faith in God. That's what a Christian is. Do you want to know what a Christian is? A Christian is someone that lives by faith in God. Look at what the repetition has been in the passages we've been going through. Look back at chapter 10, verse 38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39, we are not of those that shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 2, for by it, that is by faith, the people of old received their commendation. Verse 3, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Jump to verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Verse 6. And without... When I pause, you can pretty much just say faith, okay? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that he exists. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of things concerning events, is yet unseen. And now to our passage today, verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. You don't have to be a theologian to figure out what the point of all this is. What? It means to be a Christian is to live by, say it, faith. faith. That's what a Christian is. So what does it mean to live by faith? That's what we've been talking about. And we set up this last week, this kind of uh, narrative, if you will, of the way people tend to approach uh, the Christian life. These kind of two roads they take. One is the pleasing God Path. By pleasing God in this context, it's the idea that we think that if we try really hard and we do a lot and we put forth a lot of effort and give a lot of money and and go to church a bunch and read our Bible all the time, that we can, by our own works, do enough to make God happy with us. And here's what I want to say to you like, first of all, that's going to leave you exhausted. Some of you have been there, like, you're very tired because you're always trying and it never seems like that you can do enough but part of me wants to say as your pastor like that's not even christianity Er, like you pick your religion if you want to do that there's a host of religions that's all about appeasing the gods it's not what a christian is a christian Goes down this path. And this is the path that I'm trying to point us all towards as we see in the passage. It's the path of trusting God. And the interesting thing is it's actually on this path that when you trust God, you actually please God. It's the trying for God that doesn't please him. It's the trusting in God that pleases him. And we started talking about this last week. The way this works Is you enter into a situation in life, God tells you what to do from his word, not what you think, but what God speaks to you about in in his word, and you trust him. You've been hurt, you want revenge, God's word speaks to you and says, forgive. You say, I don't want to forgive, and he says, trust me. Like Abel, who did things God's way, not like Cain, who did things his way. Or, or you, you're called to speak truth in a culture that doesn't want to hear truth, and that might make you unpopular. That might make them call you names, hypothetically speaking. And you're like, but God, I don't really want to do that. Because, cause, cause, you know, it, it will, it will, uh, I won't be accepted by certain people. And what does God say? You've got to trust me, like Enoch did. Remember when Enoch walked with me in a culture that didn't want to hear thus saith the Lord, but he was faithful and he trusted me. Or, or to have joy in difficult circumstances. Like That's not the response I want to have. God, that's weird. Yeah, I know. Like Noah. Who I asked him to build an ark. For 120 years. And it made no sense at all. It was things he didn't understand. But yet he trusted me. Mm. This is how it works, people. Notice it on the screen. When you trust God you please God it's not the path of trying to make God happy it's the path of just trusting him and so this morning I want us to get back on the road because there's going to be something as you're walking down this road of faith and you're living by faith because that's what a Christian does uh, there's going to be some moments that are going to happen I know because they've happened to me I can still hear the phone ring. It was a Wednesday night in February. And I knew what I'd hear on the other line before I ever answered it. But I answered it. Wes, your grandfather's gone. Hung up the phone, crawled in bed cried the rest of the night I wasn't shocked that he died we'd been warned that three months earlier when we found out about how far along the brain and lung cancer was and I grieved my grandfather's dying don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying but that really wasn't the issue as I was laying there in the bed saying God why are you doing this why now I don't understand the reason was is because eight months before he died, I had surrendered to ministry. My grandfather had been in ministry for over 50 years. When I started a ministry eight months before he died, we didn't, we didn't know of his cancer until three months before he died. So this was, this was before I knew this was even going to happen. And I had in my mind this, these dreams and hopes of I'm going to be in ministry and I'm going to have my grandfather to mentor me and, and ask him questions. And you know how, like when you're a pastor, the deacons get after you, you know, when that, that happens, like there'll be somebody there that will understand and I'll be in seminary learning things. And I'll be able to say, Hey, what do you think about this? Have you ever studied that? And, and, and all those hopes were shattered on a wednesday night in february and i would like to say that i was crawled up in that bed tears flowing down my face saying i believe no and the word of the lord comes to you romans 828 We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I tell you, this is real and raw. Jesus, I don't mean to be blasphemous. That's not my heart. I just don't know that I can believe that right now. It's kind of, you ever had one of those moments where you're like, I believe, but I don't believe like in the gospel of Mark, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but I'm struggling to believe you ever been there. And Jesus, I understand that in this moment, because I'm struggling here I can't understand this at all. Like, I don't even know if I can believe this. Like I understand if you want to kick me off this road. And Jesus, by his grace, says, Wes, son, I'm not going to kick you off the road. But there is somebody I'd like for you to meet. Abraham. Abraham, come here. You see, Wes, there's actually somebody that's already been down this road before you. And he understands what it's like to struggle. 11 verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Uh, Jesus, I don't mean any disrespect, but I know the story of Abraham. I've gone to vacation Bible school for many years. I grew up in Sunday school. I saw the flannel graph. Like, I, I know the Abraham story. And i got to be honest with you, like in this moment, I'm not sure I want to hear anything about Abraham because he's superhero and I'm not. Abraham's the father of many nations, the father of the nation of Israel. He was like the bedtime story of every Jewish boy growing up. Like, do you ever feel that way sometimes about Hebrews 11 or passages in the Bible? I'm just not an Abraham. So why would you bring him up when I'm just a common Christian? Wes, son, it shows what you know. Maybe you need to revisit the story of Abraham. Remember in Genesis 12, it's what the author of Hebrews here in chapter 11 is referring to. When God called Abraham to leave everything and set out for a land he didn't know. And to Abraham's credit, he obeyed. He trusted God. He he had confidence in the things that he couldn't see. It's what the author describes in verses 8 through 11. But do you know the rest of the story? There's a famine. And because of the famine on this journey, they end up having to go to Egypt. What What will be a place of slavery later on. But they go to Egypt and Abraham's with Sarah. Now you need to know something about Sarah. Sarah's 80 years old, but she is finer than frog hair. She is hotter than a pepper sprout. We've got an actual picture of Sarah. That's really Sarah. She got swag, man. She's 80 years old, but she still got it. And, and, and Abraham knows this. Like Abraham's been the guy with the girl everybody wants to know all his life. Blake Shelton won nothing. All right. He gets this. And so when he goes into Egypt, he knows that Pharaoh is going to want her. And that's what happens. And do you remember Abraham's response? He goes into Pharaoh's court and he punches Pharaoh in the face and it's awesome. (laughs) No, that's not exactly what happened. What what, what had happened was that he he, uh, stood his ground like a man and protected his wife. No, 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 not exactly. Uh, This is actually what happened according to his own mouth. Genesis 12, verse 13. Let's just say you're my sister. Translation, let's just pretend we're from Tennessee. Okay? You just play along. You be my sister. I'm from there, so I can say that in case you're wondering. That it may go well with me. Because of you, that my life may be spared for your sake. Man, you are one pathetic loser. (laughs) No offense. It's so true, right? What a loser. No offense, Abraham, all right? I mean, that's the whole story. The, The point that I'm trying to get across here is yes, 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 yes. Abraham trusted God. He really did. He left when he didn't know where he was going. But along that journey, there was struggle. He could trust God to leave, but he couldn't trust God to save. He didn't trust God in that moment that God would protect him. Genesis 15 God makes a covenant with Abraham, he promises a son descendants blessing a great nation abraham's response verse 2 of chapter 15 but abram said oh lord god what will you give me for i continue childless that is can you give me some proof can i have a little bit of evidence this is doubting thomas although i don't even really like that name before there was ever thomas and do you remember what god did god took him outside and let him look at all the stars in the sky and he believed. Or what about Genesis chapter 16? You know this story. Abraham and Sarah still have no children. Now he's almost 100. She's still she's almost 90, uh, and they get impatient with God. It's the, okay, I believe this promise, but rather than doing it your way, we're going to do it our way. Do you remember what happened uh, where Sarah uh, suggests that he take Hagar, a female servant, and and be with her? And Abraham said, Uh, this is awkward. Okay, and he's with Hagar, and they have a child named Ishmael from which the Arab nations come, and there has been conflict and raging ever since. Why? Because they got impatient with God. You ever been impatient with God? Or what about one of my favorite scenes in Abraham's story is Genesis 17 and 18. God once again, isn't he faithful? Just say amen. God once again reinforces his promise that this is going to come through Isaac, not through Ishmael. That this is going to come through Sarah, not through Hagar. And and, and Sarah's overhearing, listening to the conversation between God and Abraham. And in chapter 18, verse 12 says this. Because remember, Sarah's mentioned in Hebrews 11 also. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Yeah, that's in the Bible. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, um, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a child. Son. Now, verse 15 is like the LOL verse, right? But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. <laughs> it was the TV. <laughs> it was probably the neighbors. They laugh all the time. I didn't laugh. God says, No, but you did laugh. I'm just so glad that's in the Bible, right? <laughs> I mean, aren't you just glad that the Bible just gives us the struggles and all? I believe, but I'm not sure I believe. I believe, but it's a little hysterical. Struggle. One more. Then I'll make the point. Now that hurts my feelings. Why would you laugh at that? You got nowhere to be. Genesis 20. Same thing happens again. Abraham's called to leave a land, which he does. Enters in a situation. Sarah's even older now and still fine. (laughs) They go into another land. Once again, you're not going to believe this. Once again, Abraham's like, you remember that sister thing? Let's do it again. And when God calls him on it, And ask him why he did it. uh, I'm sure God does this to me. Just looks down and goes, really? Really? This again? (laughs) Why? Why did you do that? I'm so thankful that Abraham had the honesty to share his struggle. Here's what he said. This is Genesis 20 verse 11. Abraham said, I did it because I thought... There is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Let me translate what he just said. God, the reason I didn't trust you is because I fear them more than I fear you. I'm a pastor. I try to shepherd you every week in the word. And I know that if we go down this road of faith and trusting God for very long and not address this topic, you're going to become weary. And I just want to relieve, in fact, everybody just kind of go, (sighs) look at it on the screen. On the road of faith, it is marked with failure. That doesn't justify the failure but if you're struggling on the road of faith, you're, listen, normal. Abraham is not superhero. He's a human just like you that struggled to believe when it was hard to believe. He, he left his country not knowing where he was going to go. He trusted God's covenant and at the same time wasn't sure, needed affirmation, went off course and feared the world. You with me? And, and I, I could say this about every single person on the list. We could talk about Noah, the faith to build the ark and stand firm on God's word 120 years, even with the mockery. And yet after all of this, we'll go to a NASCAR race, get drunk and expose himself. Okay, I made up the NASCAR part, okay? Or or Moses. Moses will lead the people out of Egypt, but he can't lead them into the promised land. Do you know why? Because of the sin of unbelief. Every single person in, I don't even know who came up with the hall of faith. I'm telling you, it's just as much a hall of failures as it is a hall of faith. But here's the point you got to get, and this is worth your price of admission this morning. Look at it on the screen. God is not looking for perfect faith. God is looking for persevering faith. Can I get an amen? Like anybody, just like thank you, Jesus, that that my pleasing you is not having perfect faith. Aren't you glad this morning? I might get excited. That the good news of the gospel is that our perfection is not that our faith is perfect, but that our Savior is perfect. That is the object of our faith is perfect. And because he is perfect, he imputes into us his perfection. Come on. That's the gospel. It doesn't mean you have perfect faith. It means you have faith in the perfect one. And like Abraham, when you fall in chapter 12, you keep getting up because there's a chapter 15. And when you fail there too, you keep moving forward in faith because there's a chapter 17 and a chapter 18 and a chapter 20. And I think that's so encouraging not only for us but for these Hebrew Christians that are thinking about going back to Judaism. It's like, you're going to go back to Judaism. Well, just look to Abraham. What did Abraham do? He kept moving forward in faith. Failure along the way, you bet. But he kept pressing on. He fell, but he never fell away. He struggled, but he never stopped. He was far from perfect, but he persevered. Because the fundamental issue is not the size of your failure, but the size of the God of your faith. I hope you're shepherded well. This morning in the word that on this road, not of trying to please God, but of trusting God. We know that in trusting God, there will be struggle. But, but, but here's the second thing, Wes, that you got to learn. Second thing you got to learn. As you're crawled up in bed and you're weeping and you don't understand. I know you don't get the timing of all this and this makes no sense to you at all. But that's tends to be my ways and my plans. They're not going to make sense to you because you don't know everything I know. And so I I, I get the struggle. I'm just thankful that you're struggling in me rather than struggling running from me. But there's one more thing I need to teach you about Abraham. Is that at some point you've got to surrender. I, I, I get the struggle. It's okay to not be okay. But at some point you've got to surrender. Look at chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is the climax of Abraham's faith. Um, But it took a while to get here. This is later on in Abraham's life. He now has the promised son that God promised him in in Isaac. And, And now God comes to him and he says, I want you to offer him. As a sacrifice. This is where, just so you know, I I channel my inner meatloaf, not the food, the artist, uh, and I say, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Leave my country, not know where I'm going. Mm, sure, okay. Uh, Be the father of many nations and a blessing. Sounds good to me. Kill my son? No chance. Are we real? Or are we real? This is where you walk away. This is where you say, "Enough of this road. He has done gone crazy now." <laughs> I mean, I thought these ways of God were crazy to this point. No way. But all that struggle has taught Abraham some things where now he surrenders. Go back in your app or in your Bible to Genesis 22, and let's look at this story quickly. I want you to see the the behind-the-scenes version of what the author of Hebrews is talking about. This is Genesis 22. Y'all with me? Good. Is this real life? Yes. Amen. Watch. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, "Abraham," and he said, "Here I am. Just stop right there. That that's where you got to end up being. Here I am, God. I'm surrendered. What do you want? What are you calling me to do? Like th- there's a resume now that's been built up on this road where I've seen your faithfulness even though I've been unfaithful. I've seen your promises time and time again, even though I have been a failure at times. So here I am. What is it that you want? God, what are you calling me to do? I'm surrendered. Verse 2. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Now remember that. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now watch what happens. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Listen, there's no pushback. There's no, I'm not doing that. And the reason why I say that's important, because you may say, well, maybe you're just reading too much in the text. No, 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 no. Genesis has not avoided showing Abraham struggle and all, faults and all. We have seen Abraham time and time again push back. But it's not here. What he does is he obeys. He gets everything right. Ready. And I want you to notice the confidence that Abraham has. I believe, come on, come on. I believe it's a confidence that's been built up over time on this path of trusting God. It started with an initial confidence because that's what faith is, but that confidence grew through struggle and through just persevering on the trail of faith. Watch what he does. Verse 5. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Did you hear that? Let me translate it for you. Here's what Abraham said. We are going to go. And say it with me. We are coming back. But God called you to sacrifice Isaac. We ain't coming back. You may be coming back, but he ain't, ain't going to be coming back if you do what God told you to do. But but Abraham's in this tension. He's in this tension of, I know what God has said, I know what he has promised, and his promises are specific to Isaac. And so if, if he actually has me go through with this to sacrifice Isaac, then he won't be able to fulfill his promises, and I trust God. So I know we're going, and I don't know how, but I know we're coming back. And somewhere in the journey, God will do something. But I don't know what that's going to be. All I know is that there's a promise grounded in Isaac. So I'm just going to watch what God does. Verse 7. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, by the way, that would make a great title for a song. <laughs> father, a- Anyways, never mind, I should really just focus on preaching Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but we're missing something. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I mean, I'm no high priest, but I'm pretty sure that we left something back at the trailer. We got the wood, we got the knife, we got the matches, we've got everything we need, but (laughs) nope. Watch what Abraham says. Verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide. Just stop right there. Everybody say those three words with me. God will provide. I don't know how, but I know who. He will provide for himself a lamb. For a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Are you sensing what I'm sensing? Do you sense the surrender, the confidence in Abraham's life? And I I wonder, now I may be reading too much into this, and so that's why I'm acknowledging it. I just wonder if part of the delay in Abraham's life is that he wasn't ready for this test. That a test of leaving land, a test of trusting based on the stars of the heavens that you'll be a blessing to the nations, a, a, a promise that you will have a son even though you're childless, that, that all these tests were preparing him for this final ultimate test, and now he gets it. Through all this struggle, the answer is surrender. Surrender. So I don't know how, but I believe he will provide. Verse 12. This is God speaking as Abraham has the knife in the air. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear the Lord, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. God is good. And he provides. And he is faithful. So here's what I'm trying to teach you today. Wes, this is what I'm trying to teach you as you're curled up in the bed crying because you you think that I don't know what I'm doing. As you walk down this road, son, there's gonna be struggle, but eventually you must surrender. There will be struggle. But you must surrender. Come on, faith family. What is it in your life that you're holding tight to and won't let go? I won't give you details, but a man that came up to me after our early service this morning, tears just absolutely streaming down his face, saying, I know what I've got to sacrifice. Not in a real, actual, but in a laying down on the altar, saying, God, here am I. You're going to be there at some point as you walk down this road of faith. You will struggle. And the answer is surrender. But, but how do we find confidence in that place of surrender? That we can trust God to say, here am I. That we can do the things that don't make any sense. Listen, listen, listen. That we can get out of the bed and keep moving forward. Because you do realize that. That young man that crawled up in the bed and cried his eyes out. That didn't want to hear Romans 8.28 at all that Wednesday night in February. Is actually standing before you right now on this cold Sunday morning saying I believe Romans 8.28. How, how do you keep going? Where is that Confidence. Like Abraham had. Well, it's not in what Abraham sacrificed. It's what Abraham's sacrifice is pointing us to. You see, most people... I shouldn't say most people. um, A lot of people hate the story of Abraham and Isaac. They just think it's awful that God would ask such a thing. Certainly non-Christians will use this story against those of us that believe in the Bible. And even sometimes Christians will use it as almost like, you know, well, God wants me to do this, or they'll use it to justify sin in their life. But here's what you have to understand, and this will preach. Listen, if you've zoned out, you better zone back in right now. Look right here on the screen. The story of Isaac is not meant to be normative. It's meant to be redemptive. You say, what does that mean? In other words, the details of Abraham's situation were specific to Abraham because God is doing something specifically in that moment to get you ready for a bigger moment. It's not a go do what Abraham did. It's believe in what this in Abraham's life is getting you ready for. So what is Isaac getting us ready for? Follow on the screen. Isaac was born of a miraculous birth. Ninety-year-olds don't have babies. And neither do virgins. Isaac, based on Genesis 22 verse 2, is called Abraham's only son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Isaac was offered on Mount Moriah which will later be named Jerusalem. That is, he was to be offered on a hill outside of Jerusalem. Could have even been what would later be called Calvary. Isaac was to be a burnt offering. A burnt offering in the Old Testament was given to forgive sins and start a new covenant. As the author of Hebrews will say, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. As Jesus will say, this is my body, which is the new covenant, broken for you. Isaac carried all the wood up the hill. Jesus carried a cross. Isaac, most theologians agree, was a young adult, not a little boy. Meaning he was a willing sacrifice. Ain't no way old man dad's going to take young man Isaac. Isaac has the faith that Abraham had in God. And he was willing to lay himself down. Jesus was willing to lay his life down for us. I love this one. The word love in Hebrew, ahav, the first time it's used in the Old Testament is Genesis 22. Guess where the first time the word love is used in the New Testament. I told you to remember it. This is my son whom I love. My beloved. It's the baptism of Jesus. Isaac has a substitute take his place. The ram. Jesus is our substitute, the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. Because Isaac will give birth to Jacob. From Jacob comes twelve tribes. One of those tribes is Judah. And there's a Lion of Judah whose name is Jesus. The story of Isaac is not meant to be normative. It's meant to be redemptive. It is pointing you to where you can find all the confidence you need in your struggle. Jesus is the greater Isaac, and so I ask you, listen, if Abraham could be confident that God would fulfill his promises through Isaac, listen, how much more, Christian, can you be confident that God will fulfill his promises to you in Jesus? The greater Isaac, the ultimate sacrifice for you. You see, there's the flow I want you to get is that there's going to be struggle. But at some point, you got to surrender. And the way you have confidence in your surrender is looking to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ i close with this elizabeth elliot she was the wife of the late missionary jim elliot she was visiting uh, some friends uh, who had a sheep farm and she noticed something that really caught her attention um, see the sheep were vulnerable to a lot of parasites and so what they would do once a year is they would take the sheep and they would dunk them submerge them into this antiseptic to, to kill the insects and, and things to keep the sheep healthy it was for their good and as you can imagine they hated it they resisted they pushed back they struggled to get out and as she sat there and watched them do this She would later write the following as she reflected on that. And I quote, As their master was pushing their head under, drowning them as far as they could tell, their panicky little eyes would look over the edge of the vat, and it was easy to see what they were thinking. What are you doing I've had some experiences in my life which have made me feel very sympathetic to those poor sheep. There are times I couldn't figure out any reason for the treatment I was getting from my great shepherd. Whom I trusted. And like these sheep, I didn't have a hint of explanation. There will be no intellectual satisfaction on this side of heaven to the age old question why? But although I have not found intellectual satisfaction, I have found peace. I love this. And the answer, I say to you, is not an explanation, but a person. Jesus Christ, for He is the Lamb slain. Faith family, I love you as your pastor. And I'm telling you today, As you walk down the road of trusting God, there's going to be struggle. God is going to call you to do things that don't make sense. God is going to call you to go places you don't have any idea where it's going to end up. There's going to be times you're going to ask why. But what you need in that moment is not an explanation, you need a person. And because he laid down his life for you, you can trust your life to him. Because that's what it means to be a Christian. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this Passage this morning, thank you for the life of Abraham, that we get to study and be encouraged by. We see the full story. We we see all the struggles and successes and all. We see a man that at times was impatient and a a man that at times um, broke under the pressure of the world. Thank you that you don't kick us off the road thank you that you don't kick us off the road. Thank you that you don't kick us off the road. Because you're not looking for perfect faith. Jesus is our perfection. You're looking for persevering faith. And so if there's somebody here this morning, God, and you know who they are that's just in the middle of the struggle, I pray that they'd be encouraged to take the next step of obedience. To keep walking. They're on the right road. They're on the right road. It doesn't make any sense at times, but they're on the right road of trusting you. Others in this room, that it's just time to surrender. It's time to let it go. It's time to lay it on the altar. And we can do that as scary as it is, and it's uncomfortable because we really want to be Lord of our life. To surrender to the Lord of Lords. And yet we can do that confidently because of what Jesus has done. There is no doubt of your love because of the cross. So God just speak to us, would you? By your spirit. In Jesus name. Amen.